What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. This is Tom McCaffrey, LE2B. I'm here with Eric B. Um, rate and review this podcast, and uh, we got a lot of great stuff coming up. Uh, buy Silk City Hot Sauce. That's our sponsor. Go to SilkCityHotSauce.com. You can use a promo code uh, Brooklyn. You get uh, 20% off any hot sauce you want. And um, uh, donate to our Patreon and all that stuff. So oh, let's get into it. And your, and your book came out. I'm sorry. I'm going to go Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah. my book came out. Born Funny, a comics chronicle through the rise of alt comedy, which is like an autobiographical novel based on my time uh doing comedy in new york it kind of goes back and forth from like my childhood to when i started in new york and and the alt scene was kind of this burgeoning thing that became a big kind of scene and launched kind of a next generation of stars so there's like yeah. a lot of cameos from p- people before they made it big um and some cameos it's like it's based on my true experiences but my, I, my character is not me in the book technically so if I say anything bad about anyone, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really say. I say anything I say. It's kind of bad. I change the person's name, so they won't really know. I was so it's just kind on, of a game trying yeah, to figure I, out who I'm talking about. <laughs> I was just on another podcast yesterday talking about you um, a little bit. Um, yeah, that guy, which one? Ted, that guy Ted Jones. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, he's, he's, he's a fun podcast. Did you do I, it in his in his apartment? Yeah, I went to his apartment, and uh, he has a good setup there. But I he I, he was asking me a comedy questions, and I, I he asked me some of the biggest changes I've seen over the years is, uh, and I always say the alt scene and the club scene are not as separated as they once were. I don't think. I don't. I mean, to me, is there and especially even an comedically more really. There is, there is, but comedically speaking, I think that, you know, I think back in the day, you know, I, I would go to these alt rooms and, you know, I'd be like, oh, look at this guy's doing jokes, you know, what a hack, you know? Yeah. But that's not the case anymore. Cause I think it's just, everyone's exposed to so many, so much comedy that yeah. no one even knows what alt comedy is anymore. It's just all. I know. Yeah. So it, it it stood out more then because it was like a brand new thing, pretty much. I mean, like right. I wasn't at the beginning. Of it it was already kind of a thing in L.A. And then I think it was in New York a little bit. And then when I came to New York and kind of started doing shows, it did kind of pick up a lot of steam. And there was yeah. this one place for Fifi that had just opened, and like it became this thing, this one show there. Invite them up became this big show, and they, Comedy Central did a CD, you know, with that yeah. I was on, and like Aziz was on. Yeah. And you fit you fit there very well, I think, because of your style. Because it you, you have that style where it doesn't seem like you're really trying on stage. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying well, in a bad way. That. <laughs> no, they like did. Put, they, I, you're putting what? no effort into it at all. No, I'm joking. Well, no, I mean th- that is. I felt like they they liked me because, and I think that was a big reason I got they put me on that invite them up CD was, um, I was laid back and loose, but I did have jokes. So well, you know I, what I mean. Like that's I why you can still do well community. in the clubs, you know. Right, like I could do, and the thing is, a lot of people who did the alt rooms that did well were comics that could do the clubs, like like you know Todd Barry was. I mean, right. he could go anywhere and be fight Louis C.K. and it wasn't like, I think what happened was it was one of those things that it started as like a um like a backlash to a certain type of comedy, right. and then like some this- people it became and it became like. Some people took it too far where they're like, well, I don't even care about the audience or laughs. And it's like, well, it shouldn't be that where you just, I mean, I understand not 
wanting to be as polished as these other people are and seem kind of like robotic about it. But right. you also you're you're doing comedy. So, I mean, you have to. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, that's where like more of the storytelling comedy came from. And I think that's a good thing. That's a really, you know, I think that advanced comedy. But, you know, there was a lot of comedians who would just tell long stories and it would, there would be like no punchlines or just one punchline at the end of a long story. Yeah. You know, but then you have people who got you like, uh, you know, we've had her on the show. I think she might be in your book, maybe Ophira. She yeah. was kind of like Ophira Eisenberg was kind of like a trailblazer. And if you watch her, it's I always tell comics who are kind of storytell people, newer comics, like I watch her because she literally will have jokes throughout the fucking thing. Yeah. You know, and but sometimes you see these alt comics and you know, they have a funny punchline, but it takes way too long to get there. And I think I, it became a crutch for a lot of people. Like, right. well, I'm just, I don't care. I'm an all comic. I just do what I want. It's like, yeah, but you're just not funny. You're just not, you, you know, you're just not, you're just not right. funny. And I think I was talking to some LA comic this week who is in New York and the comic uh, knew that uh, they needed to adjust to the New York comedy scene more because, and I was explaining it. It's, yeah, I mean, this comic is very funny, but I was saying that um, New York, especially in the clubs, but even anywhere, it's like they need, they need more punchlines. You got to bam, bam, bam. Even if you have a long yeah. story, if you go out to LA sometimes and you see some of the comics out there, like I'm like, they just don't get the reps. I don't think a lot of them, the ones who are start the, there, especially people, usually the best, I always feel like the comics in LA are people who started in other places. Yeah. You don't really get good there. Yeah. There's just, there's ex exceptions. I like that Sebastian guy apparently started in, in LA, but yeah, it's very hard. Ari like basically started there. But yeah. the thing about that is like, you know, Ari was kind of a guy he's in the book because he's a guy that was around like we kind of were starting around the same time in L.A. And right. he was a, he was so he was there when I was there, like 2000, 2001. And then um, he kind of was around for a long time, not really getting a lot of breaks and stuff. Right. And he finally did. But it took a while. And I feel like that's well, I, a big LA thing. I think it's really hard to get a good to break through in yeah, LA. Yeah, I think the guys who LA. did, like you're talking about Ari Shafir. I, Ari I think Shafir, lot, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the guys who did it, like Sebastian, they all like I think started the comedy store, which would let new comics kind of like grow there. But you'd have to like start by like, you know, parking cars or working the yeah. door. That guy he was Tony, working the door when I was there. Yeah, that guy Tony Hingecliff. I was talking to some about him, and he he he's pretty big now too. And he someone was telling me, oh yeah, he was the door guy for years, you know. But so those guys were very committed, but they would also probably get a lot of stage time, which you probably couldn't really get yeah. in L.A. You know, I think they did. I remember when I was when I was living there, like I went by the comedy store every now and then, and Ari was a door. There were a lot of dudes working yeah. comedians on my level working the door, and yeah. I think that they got like. They got so you know. First of all, it was so I was pretty new, and like it was so hard to get more than five minutes of stage time. Right. Just that was the problem. Because I remember being like, I don't think I'm gonna. You know, I did a lot of comedy there, but I just wasn't getting enough stage time. I was like, I'm not gonna get better here, and I got more into it there. I I took it more yeah. seriously there, oddly, but. It's an interesting story, and it, it has a lot. Of, you know, it's kind of a behind the scenes glimpse of like an era that started really small and then kind of blew up and there's and, a mur and there's a murder in it too right there's a lot of yeah well i murder a lot of crowds <laughs> not me the character the character um all right so let's mom mccaffrey <laughs> um but talking about murdering uh the golden globes were on last night and uh 
Uh, I don't know okay. if you watched any of it. The host, I I didn't pull Jared that clip, but I I did watch his uh, intro and stuff, and you know he was trying to make it serious and funny at the same time. But can I, I, feel, I can I go yeah, ahead? Go I thought I did. I thought he was not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. I like and I you know and everyone hated that special that a lot of comedians hated. This is a good example where we were talking about a lot of comedians didn't like his special because they were like I actually really liked his special because I thought it was really different and I kind of liked that he was so casual about it and kind of went at his own pace and right. Uh, that's when I think that kind of comedy and he was so confident. He just seemed poised and comfortable. This did not fit his yeah. style i didn't think i think he was trying to go for that but i don't think he completely nailed it but i think I, you know the highlight of the globes and i don't know if you saw this and i have the clip is eddie murphy did you see that <laughs> yeah that was like all right let me I'm it, it was good but it was so weird because he was so it was like he was too earnest and serious and then all of a sudden it took such a left turn right but that's what's so funny about it and for just a rare rare moment you saw the old Eddie Murphy that, you know, that the one that we yeah. all grew up and love. So I'll, I'll play a clip. He, he won the Cecil beat the mill lifetime, whatever golden globe. And, uh, this is part of his speech. I want to let you know that there is a, a definitive <laughs> blueprint that you can follow to achieve success, prosperity, longevity, and peace of mind <laughs> blueprint. And I followed it my whole career. It's very simple. The three things you just do these three things. Pay your taxes. <laughs> mind your business. <laughs> keep Will Smith's wife's name. <laughs> Come on. I think that's the point. That's the point that he was like everyone because everyone's so used to him being so serious, you know? And then they, are, are they? Well, I, I mean, he, he hasn't been that like the old Eddie Murphy goofy for a long time. But, I, you know, I like stuff like that where you, you're kind of fooled, you know, he does it every now and then. I saw him do it in like a um, well, he, he hosted SNL. Remember? Oh, yeah. And, and that was a great it. SNL. And how much yeah. did you think that SNL was going to be awful? You're like, oh, no, this is going to be bad. I didn't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember thinking it could go either way because yeah. it had been so long but he's right. like so good that guy it's just like i know it shows you because he fucking hit a home run on in that he was really good on snl yeah which yeah. is like you really gotta fucking hit hard to hit a home run on snl <laughs> at this point or I'm, even though it was a little while but um yeah it was th- that was that was interesting and um it you know i they, they the whole thing is they're trying to come back and you know give the award show credibility because it really its brand really took a hit and yeah. i will say watching it i was sort of like they didn't do a good job of making it relevant i felt like it was like this it seemed shitty it seemed like a shitty award show now and it didn't used to remember the golden globes like yeah 20 years ago i mean not even that lump it was like no. a huge, almost I, on par with the oscars it's i think really in the last that. 10 years because tv they have tv awards and you know, TV is kind of past movies, so I know, and I feel like they're still acting snobby about it. Like, oh, okay, TV. It's like, what are you talking about? This is better than like they put them in the back of the theater. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah. And here's an example. I mean, this was probably one of the b- biggest gets, guests of the oh, night. Wow. Thank you so Jennifer much. Coolidge. Wow. And, and so, thank you, Holly. Was this her first speech? That really means a lot. This thank is for you. White Lotus. Wow, I am. Um... Yeah, I can. I can put this down, right? 
No, I just. Uh... She starts crying. It seems weird because you're not used to her. Yeah, it was a kind of a nice speech because she was saying how, you know, for years she would just certain producers and people would just keep her career going by giving her bit roles. Oh, yeah, like American Pie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, I heard once in in an interview (laughs) once she said that she used to get laid a lot from that role because everyone wanted to fuck Stifler's mom. Well, that's what's but that's funny like was she yeah. having a problem getting laid i mean like i don't know she no. was super hot in, in the first one oh, even yeah. the second one she's super hot in it no i know but it's just funny that people just wanted to fuck her because they wanted to say they fucked stifler's mom yeah that's true I mean, yeah i mean i could see it that would be a cool story to have um so but do, you know she came out you probably didn't see this but she came out after gerard Carmichael oh, okay. did his opening thing and she was presenting something and she did this like five minute intro like bit into the presenting so I remember watching and Gerard Car- Carmichael had done his monologue and like he hadn't done the- you could feel it that he wasn't doing well and right. um and you know how like it's it wasn't like oh he's so edgy we're just refusing to laugh it was more kind of like this isn't that funny it's more like I don't He's making well, me uncomfortable and it's not that funny. Well, I think maybe, you know, he's like that kind of comedian who's not like, ha ha funny. He's like thought thought provoking comedian. And I think maybe they didn't want to make the monologue too goofy because I think it was like an apology kind of. Yeah. Well, um, they definitely um, made it not funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and then she came out. I remember being like, what is why is everyone? Why is she giving me like a 10 minute? And then it was just um. It, it just was a weird vibe the whole night. And then he kept coming out and making like the jokes got more and more inappropriate, but like they yeah. weren't good. They were like, no, I'm reading one that looked funny though. I'm reading it. Uh, it was about, they make fun of Tom Cruise and Scientology. I didn't think that one was that funny. Uh, he, Do you remember well, what she, he says? Like backstage, I found these three golden globe awards that Tom Cruise returned just the pitch. Maybe we, I, we should take these things and exchange them for the safe return of Shelly, uh, uh, Miss Savage. Yeah, she's the David, the Scientologist leader who disappeared, apparently. So she's probably Yeah, dead. I don't. That's that's a pretty dark joke. I mean, but, it is. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's almost like, okay, that's a really weird, specific, like odd, weirdly dark I don't know. It's, I felt like he was trying to do that, like, oh, I'm going to say these things that are so like wrong right. and hard hitting, but they just were like a lot of them just kind of fell really flat in the room. Like well, that's like not that's not like oh that's so funny. It's more like oh wow. Yeah, I can tell upsetting. you right now though he probably didn't write that joke anyway. <laughs> I actually looked at the writers at the end, and it was yeah. like Carol Leifer was one of the writers, and I mean yeah. nothing against Carol Leifer, but it's like is she really have her finger on the pulse of what's relevant right now? I think she's. I mean, she's a, like an iconic writer. I think that. I, I guess. don't know I, uh, who are some of the other names. I didn't really oh. Jeff Stilson, who I think was a comedian who was yeah. around when I was like in high school. Yeah, I don't know. It's like maybe bring someone in who's. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who was like been doing? I I don't. Know. It it just felt very. I didn't think he, I don't I don't think his style fit, and I think you could almost tell he was thrown by it a little bit. And then he just after a while he just stopped even doing jokes. He just kind of was like introducing people. Um, now, did you see that? So that guy, the short round, won a Golden yeah. Globe. He 
Kwai Kwan. He was played short round in the original in the Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones. Uh, he's in some new movie that got pretty good reviews. I haven't seen it. Apparently, I saw everything. Showtime. Yeah, it, I saw it. Everything. What's it called? All at once. Everything everywhere all at once. Did you see it in the theater? Yeah, I have to see it again <laughs> though because um, I got at the beginning. I got into a fight with some dude next to me, like because <laughs> <laughs> on the seats. Like well, the- no, he was he was doing that thing. It was these two guys, and um, you know, they were they were a couple. They were gay, and I thought that's but like they were talking during the the trailers. I was like, all right, and I just kind of, and then they just kept talking uh... in the movie, and it was like ten minutes into the movie, and it was it wasn't the whole time, but every now and then it would just be like he'd be like. Who's that? Who's that guy? Like, oh yeah. Oh, that's yeah. it. And I finally just said, "Hey guys, can you just look? Can you stop talking? It's like kind of distracting." Yeah. And the guy go, and he was like crazy, and he was just turned to me, and he's like, "You shut the fuck up!" Oh my god. And I was like, "I'm not even kidding." He's like, "You shut the fuck up!" And I was like, "Uh, okay, I'm, I'm just look, I'm just asking you to be quiet." He's like, "No, I'm just telling you to go shut the fuck up," and like. It got really, really weird. I'm like, dude, what are you like? Are you threatening me? I'm just like, you're you're talking in my ear. I so why do you, why do you like going to the movies anymore? This is what I'm talking about. I hate that shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's usually a better experience in the movie, but yeah, you're that's that's one part I don't miss is people. Um, uh, and you really, it is a luck of the draw thing. It's so weird how people. It's just like so many people do that. So many people don't have the forethought to not talk during them and the fact that you would do that and then when someone's like hey can you stop talking they get angry at you and attack you it's like like i'm asking the most <laughs> insane yeah. request like hey can you not ruin the mo-? i mean this movie's like 20 dollars right. <laughs> um so i could so you know whatever it, it ended but it just i felt really uncomfortable for like the next hour of the movie because this guy's right next to me and i just basically got into a fight with them um but yeah, so um what were we talking about before you were, with you, that? You were young. Oh, so I I so yeah, I thought it was cool that that guy won cuz that's a great story. That's such a cool like Hollywood story where like he did this he was kind of plucked from just this kid put in this huge movie, the biggest movie of the time and right. and then like did another movie and then like never worked again and then came back and you know i think he quit acting because he couldn't get a part and uh, i mean it, you, he was in goonies too right he was in goonies and you know he's he's a good example of like you know a lot of people when like their career dries up in hollywood they just won't go away you know and a lot of times mm-hmm. it doesn't they kind of get known as that person that's just always around and they kind of get um their presence in Hollywood is kind of marginalized. You know yeah. what I mean? It's kind of like a good, I feel like a lot of times people do it where it's like they leave and then they come back way later. So everyone's kind of forgotten about them. Mm-hmm. So when they come back, it's a little like, Oh, who is, uh, Oh yeah, yeah, this guy, I forgot about him. You know, but Corey Feldman never would, you know, give up. He was doing like snuff <laughs> films, you know, for years. And it's like, He's not going to have, he's never going to win an Oscar one day. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. I saw the K. Hawaii Kwan speech. It was, it was good because he, he does call out Steven Spielberg, who's in the crowd, you know, for giving him his first opportunity, uh, which is almost like at that point, you know, Steven Spielberg is like, I got to, I guess I got to put him in my next film. You know, <laughs> that's the thing I'm yeah. interested in too is will someone give him another part? I think he'll have like a, a, a few offers and stuff. Yeah. He probably will. 
and and it, it, it's weird because it i mean um how little i think that he's changed over the years you know because i you, you want to hear uh I, this is a, his speech you want to hear it yeah yeah Short round. Wow, that's a weird speech. <laughs> Why was that woman screaming at the beginning of her speech? Um, well, Steven you know Spielberg's what's funny wife, is he kind of what? That's Steven Spielberg's wife. Yeah, um, Kate Capshaw. Yeah, yeah, they met on that movie, I think. Yeah. Um. So. He, you know, he see, he kind of does sound like that still. I mean, you know, it's he really like it's kind of a cool story because he is like a very earnest, you know, guy. Like, you know, he's he's so genuinely excited, and that's probably why it was good that he got out of that business for a while because it didn't like beat him down and you know completely um, strip him of everything. So he 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 still has like you know exuberance and like a good energy, yeah. but. I uh, yeah, I, th- and it's funny that that was at the beginning, and I was like, "That's the highlight of the show." No one's get. I remember being like, no. "No one's gonna have a speech like as good as no. that." No, I mean, I was I was actually I, I watched a clip of it. I was kind of choking up too. I mean, it's you know, it's also you're you're thinking about your childhood and these movies that he was in, and you know, then just someone like that. Just a lot of these child stars get thrown away, and uh, a lot yeah. of times because they everyone remembers how cute they were when they were young, and then. Um, you know, they don't sometimes grow up to be so cute. Um, yeah, they they don't. And um, like I was mo- saying, that's actually a big thing, too. I think if you're a kid actor, I think it's important. If it starts drying up, I think you need to go away. And like, I think it's like they they never get do that part. Usually they never go and get a life. Yeah, that's what that's when they really. Also, yeah. And their child is stripped from them, really. So. They're, they're, uh, and they also like, you know, I don't know if your entire worth since you were like two when your brain was forming is all based on outside validation and, you know, you being in show business. Once that's gone, I mean, yeah, and that's what he was basically saying in his, his speech. He was like, you know, he's like, you just think I just want one more shot, you know, and uh, yeah, you know, though it, was, it was kind of a touching speech. You know, I was, I, I was happy for him. Um, I think the other thing, if you're a childhood star. Because I was there's this new movie. Uh, it's on uh, Netflix. I was watching some of it with Christian Bale. He plays oh. like a detective, the pale something blue. Yeah, I I've seen it, but I, I haven't seen it. But I, I anyway, know his it. like his sidekick in it is someone who pl- is supposed to be playing um, Edgar Allan po- Poe. And I, I was like, oh, this kid's a good actor. So I was he's like in his early twenties maybe, and I was just reading about him. He was apparently in the Harry Potter movies. But he played a little, he a little fat kid in the Harry Potter movies. Oh, and, and now is he is he like good looking like, or something? Yeah, he's good looking and he's very thin. So I didn't really, I don't think he said it in the article, but I, basically, I think that's the kind of thing that works out. If you look nothing like that person, you know, it's so a lot of these times these characters, these these actors look like just an uglier, fatter version of them of their cute selves. Right. But he, I think <laughs> the one trans- who worked out best. The one who transformed the best was Haley Joel Osment. Oh my god! <laughs> but at least that, he, he almost makes fun of it in a way. I think does he? He actually yeah. ended up being okay though. He like has worked and done stuff, right? But he definitely did not like. 
he was really like this cute kid, and then you, he was like a monster when he came back. But I think he was smart too. I think he. Um... And they're always short. All of them are always short. Like, <laughs> yeah. I guess because they're like short originally, because they're probably playing a character younger than themselves, so they never really grow. What is be... it? Maybe their parents are doing something so that they won't grow to stunt their growth. <laughs> um, and I'm not even kidding. I think that that Ki Hoi Kwan, one thing that helped him out was. He wasn't like a state. He, I don't think he was like in a showbiz family where the parents were like pushing to him to auditions. It was like a random huge call that right. they were like giving. And I think it was like his brother went to audition. He was just there. Oh, it's like, yeah. Isn't that always the story? It's always yeah. like, I just went there and I didn't care. And they were like, you should be in it. Um, yeah. Imagine that brother must have loved him, huh? <laughs> well, he must have loved him like for the last forty years before this. Yeah, <laughs> he must have been like, ah, oh, well, too bad. No, that's true. Must, that that must be like hard. Like, oh my sorry, God. buddy, you didn't get it. I got the huge yeah. thing. I get to hang out with Spielberg and Harrison Ford. Um, <laughs> but you said you hated him being in that movie, right? Yeah, I never really. I didn't like that. Uh, uh, that aspect of it. I don't know why. I always thought that they did that as like, oh, like. They're looking at their numbers. Uh, a lot of people watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, but we want to get you know, the younger kids to watch. So what should we do? We'll put a young kid in the movie. But then at the same time, they had it was the most violent movie <laughs> of like yeah. all time. Like, but we'll also have a scene where someone's ripping a heart out of someone's chest and showing it to them. So you I know never... that was one of the the um, impetuses for uh, PG thirteen PG- yeah. rating. That was one where they were like, it's too scary for normal. It's like the fact that they have that now, it's just like kids under 13 aren't ready for this. Like they can go Google like, you know, like horse porn right now, (laughs) but they're not, they might curse too much in the new Indiana Jones. Um, Well, yeah, but I also think that scene, I just saw the movie a few weeks ago. That was a kind of an unnecessary scene. It was stupid and actually made the movie worse. Like why, who cares? Why, Why do you need to see this? You know? Yeah. Did you so did um did you see any of the, or do you know any of the movies that won a lot of the things? Uh, first um, of all, they were giving it to a lot of not white guys. I felt like well, of course, you know, not not white guys had a really good night. Yeah. Um, and whenever a white guy was giving a speech, they started playing him off. <laughs> really? I don't think that playing off thing works because people are talking and then they're just playing music. It almost helps the speech a little bit because it gives it kind of a background, right. you know, like it almost makes it a little more interesting and compelling. I mean, I think they were overcorrecting too, too much because Angela Bassett won a golden globe, but it, uh, it was for uh, the uh, Tina Turner movie, which was weird because that has been out like 30 years. <laughs> oh the, yeah. Yeah. That didn't seem fair. <laughs> no, she won for black Panther Wakanda forever. Denzel uh, Washington won Best Picture. <laughs> <laughs> I also noticed a lot of people weren't there. Like I did at first, I was like, "Oh, I guess they're busy." But then it was like, "Hmm, this is like the seventh person not there." I think what really helped them was Steven Spielberg winning a lot and yeah. him being there and and seeming really into winning. That helped it a lot because that gave it back. It's like right cachet, cachet. a little bit. I just think the problem. Um, he was is, excited. Yeah, but it also looks so bad. Like, it's good that all these uh, people of color won awards and they were putting, they were all the presenters, but it's just like, looks so bad because it looks like you're just overcorrecting. You know, it just looks, I don't think it looks bad, but I just feel like it, it looked absurd at the it beginning. Like, you, you know, yeah. I mean, 
the first three awards were like, um, you know, <laughs> like, um, best actress is Africa Bombada. <laughs> oh, jeez. Do you know what that is? That's like a rap group. Oh, is it right? <laughs> um, yes. Best song, USA for Africa. Um, no, so. Best supporting actor, Frederick Douglass. <laughs> I so I don't even know. I, I mean, I, I think it's a good thing, you know, that they did this. But I also I wonder, like, I don't know, if, like, I guess if you're a black person, you look at this and you're like, okay, finally. So I guess, but almost I I would almost look at it like if the if the Golden Globes were like shut out all the Jews, which would never happen because we kind of run Hollywood. But just play along for yeah. a minute, yeah. and then and then the next year. <laughs> It just be every Jew in every yeah. category, like even one, like another ones like Alan Dershowitz for uh, <laughs> best director. Yeah, yeah. So Moisha, <laughs> Moisha Schwartz, <laughs> and then it would same. What if they did that with your with your, with your people? Like one year they would shut out all the Irish, and then the next year it'd be like the the Lucky Charms guy would win. Yeah. <laughs> Best cinematographer. Um, yeah, that's uh, and that you know that 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 movie, um, the Banshees of the Inner Sharon, yeah, like that one. All this, I don't understand. That's like one of those anomaly Oscar like award yeah. movies where it's yeah. like, what am I missing? Like, I think it's good, but it's like, okay, it's good, but it's like boring. So they're like, this must be good because it's like kind of boring, right? Yeah, and that, you know it's Oscar bait or whatever Golden Globe bait. But why but, do they like boring things so much? I don't know. I mean, it's supposed Does it to be seem better if it's boring. Is it like, well, this must be highbrow because you have to really? Well, it's usually like the actors who always win are the ones who actually talk the least. It's just their pain looks in their face. That's always what they go for. It's what you don't yeah. say, you know. Didn't we do talk about that once with the piano? She won. She didn't say anything. Uh, Holly Hunter. I know, and I was saying how the other people must have been so pissed because they're like, <laughs> she didn't have to memorize any fucking lines. <laughs> Just like the guy who won um, <clears throat> Stephen Hawking for playing Stephen Hawking. <laughs> yeah, that and I, I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio was in was up for like Wolf of Wall Street. That guy has like. 10 page long monologues you know yeah. like literally the other guy just is like sitting in a wheelchair yeah like talking. at least give the oscar to the robot who does the voice you know <laughs> i thought that was a little like i guarantee you leonardo DiCaprio later was like well i don't understand he just didn't do it he just <laughs> i mean i'm not trying to be but whatever i feel like i could go in right now and audition for that part just like <laughs> look at him he's not i mean I know that there's nuance to acting and, the, you know, they always say like, well, it's harder to act with no lines because you just have to convey everything with your face. I'm like, ah, I don't think it's. <laughs> 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 but the other guys have to remember stuff, too. Yeah. Like if you're not talking like I could like right now, I could do that. Like. You see, like my faces. Yeah. <laughs> I guess people get this an audio thing. <laughs> I made some surprised faces. <laughs> Um, what was that? Th there was another. Oh, this is what I was going to say. You know, there was a lot of like, um, you know, hey, I want to thank everyone. I want to thank so and so for, you know, believing in me. And he was going when they cast me and no one else would. And, and I started realizing like all these speeches in this room, it's just full of people who are like, they're mad at everyone else because yeah. the whole business is like, 
no, we're, we're not interested in you. We yeah. don't want to do it. And so when they get up there, they're basically like, hey, yeah, thanks. No one, no one gave me a fucking chance, but I, yeah. find, I finally won. Fuck all of you. That's basically what the whole night is like. Yeah, yeah. none of you gave me a chance. Now I won. Fuck off. So well, it's let's funny face that it, that's no what you. Yeah, it's what you'd want to do in that situation. But it's funny that no one ever does that. No one's ever like, oh, yeah, no one believed him. They kind of oh. do in an off in like right. an offhanded way. Like, oh, no one no one liked it. No one cared. But yeah. whatever, I guess. But you're in a room of people that basically are not really that probably don't like you or like are mad that you won. Right. <laughs> I don't know, because when you think of like comedians, you know, in a small environment and community, you know that we can, we can be very like you know envious people, right? And being like, oh, I didn't, you know, why did he do that? And then you're, you know, if you do if you get something you do well, people are nicer to you. But then you're kind of pissed. So it's just think of that in like one an award show night. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, I don't know. I I would love to see someone go off like that, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's kind of surprised me that no one ever does because what they always do, and they did it a lot last night. It was a little annoying. They're always like, "I just, you know, my fellow nominees, congratulations on all your great work." Um, I am in the company of you. Know, they're always. I guess you're going to be humble if you win an award. No, yeah, I like when they all go. We all won this award tonight. I'm like, well, it only seems like one person's holding the statue. Right, so. right. We <laughs> so all we, won, of course. Yeah. When it's when they put it in their books, it's going to be just my name. <laughs> I, I would almost like to see someone like stand up and go oh if it's can i just hold it then can i can i have the award for three weeks you know we'll rotate it yeah he's like get the fuck away from me <laughs> don't ever look at me again um yeah they always like i'm gonna share this with my with my fellow nominees um um yeah and i was just looking one i didn't know uh jamie lee curtis was nominated for that movie also yeah she she didn't win, but which it's a good movie. I should I'm gonna watch it again. Well, that's here. Here's a little segue alert. All right, she uh, she is a, one of the original uh, so-called nepo babies, and I wanted to talk to oh, you about yeah, that. Let's talk about that. I saw and that article had, in the New York. Yeah, so nepo baby, you know, people. This has been around forever. It's just basically someone who's born. You know, it, it happens in every uh, line of work, but in, you know, it really what, happens a lot in entertainment. But it's, yeah, and it's, but, and no one cares if it's a dumb job, you know, it's like, but it, this is the greatest profession in the world being a movie actor. So you get these opportunities. And Jamie Lee Curtis, her, her parents were Tony Curtis and Janet Lee. And so this broke a couple of New York Magazine did a story about it. Yeah. And that it went viral. And, uh, then everyone and the worst thing you can do is push back. Don't say any because every time they talk, they just dig in the just say nothing. I know. I Jamie, know. She really Jamie did. Lee They're like, what are you talking? Go ahead. Yeah. Man. Yeah. They all say that the first the worst thing you can say when they accuse you of that is I work really hard. Yeah, but so does everybody all the time in every right. profession. So that's out. Yeah. Um I did <coughs> uh, Tom Hanks kind of Kind of got into some trouble. I think this is the. You want to hear what he said? Yeah. Um. He. Um. In regards to this. Look at the way to the Ed Sullivan Theater oh, building, right? Oh, uh, I'm gonna yeah, move it up well, here. Family 
family business. So what uh, does it mean? Right. Said in regards to in response to the Nepo baby headlines that the film industry is a family business. So what uh, does it mean to you? The shoe industry is a family business. The car industry. <laughs> Is a family business. Well, what did it mean to have Truman starring alongside him? Well, look, you know, my I think my kids are all like Renaissance artists. You know, they can pretty much do. They are good at whatever they choose to be. But the the, the question here is, is can you make it stick? Yeah. You've got to have a passion. You've got to have a drive. And yeah, our you know the the household has existed in the company town that yeah. is that is Los Angeles. But you also so. I, I, he, you know, I love Tom Hanks, you know, and I think he was trying to defend it the best way he could. His, he has this new movie out and his, one of his sons is in the movie. Uh, his other son, Colin Hanks has been in a lot of movies over the years. Yeah. But, you know, and I like, he's trying to draw the analogy about, well, you know, if you, you, if you own a flower shop, um, you'll, yeah. you'll hand it down to your kid. Right. Right. I understand that. However, if you work at a flower shop, no one's going to go. You work at a flower shop. How did you get that job? Yeah, everyone the, wants to work there. <laughs> you're a gar you're a plumber because your dad's a was a plumber. Oh my god! Yeah, exactly. So it's, that's um, why that analogy sucks. You know. The other thing is, it's um, it it is annoying when they just like they always come back and they're like, because I guess Jamie Lee Curtis and they're like, they're always like, I work hard and like that's not true. Like I had to make my own opportunities. Like it might get you in the door, but, and the whole thing is like, you know, that business and everything, it's just like getting in the door is like basically nine. It's like 80% of the battle. Oh, yeah. Like the thing is like, you just can't get into the door. So like right. a lot of times when you, and, and with her, especially she should be quiet. Cause like the, the whole re not only was she born in that industry with all the connections, like, the reason that he cat one of the big reasons he cast her was because she was Janet Lee's daughter, and so it was like a horror genre, and like it was kind of a uh, you know a wink and a wink, yeah. To like so, it's like she especially was almost completely cast and got her huge break. And I mean, you know, the I will say like it's interesting when you see one who can like you know have a lasting career because obviously she was good and she like did things and it, it, she made it last, but. Right. And I, I know, think just, like, just fucking take it. Like, look, you, right. you, know, you got really lucky. I think the talent, I understand there'll be talented because they grew up around it. They're little kids. They see it. You know, they're they're going to have a leg up in, in a lot of ways in with the talent because they're just surrounded with it. But I don't know. It's, you know, the only place where that Nepo baby thing, I think, really works is in Major League Baseball and other sports, too. But we'll just go with Major League Baseball because I know it well. There's a lot of great players like Ken Griffey Jr., Vlad Guerrero Jr., who are amazing baseball players, better than their parents. Yeah. But no one will accuse them of being a Nepo baby because to be a professional athlete is just right. insane. It's not like subjective. It's very like. Right. Because I always good, think with yeah. acting, anyone can act. It's just hard to be a great actor. You know, so it's true. Yeah. Especially yeah. film, like film or TV. It's very you right. can make someone who's bad look Right. Good. We could both be in a movie or TV show and be serviceable at best. We could be, you know, yeah. you know, we'd be fine, you know, but we couldn't step into a batter's box and face a hundred mile <laughs> fastball. Right, right. That's the same thing. It's actually the same thing with comedy. It's like, right. you know, if even though it does exist in comedy, but you, you still have to like, no matter who, you know, you have to like 
get your chops at comedy. Like, exactly. stand, you know, you just, you can't just be like, well, but I mean, it does help. I've seen it. And like, this is the one thing that I saw in that article that I was like, oh, of course, is th these guys on SNL called um, please, please Don't Destroy. Please Don't Destroy. You, you yeah. know them? They do yeah. like these comedy videos yeah and they've been doing it for like a year and every time i see one i'm like what i don't understand like i'm just like i don't i've never thought it was funny that it's almost was, angering how yeah that they is. were one of the caught they were in that article too and they were because two of them are you know steve higgins's son he's a big producer on saturday Night live and the other one was a writer on saturday Night live so right you know when they first uh you know i was talking to some people who you know knew on the inside a little bit of there that when they when that came out originally when they were uh they got destroyed on twitter i mean they got fucking buried <laughs> yeah it's like well and so they must have seen they must have knew something was coming please don't destroy like well i'm sorry <laughs> we're gonna destroy no i mean the, the i remember i saw that and um my first reaction was oh okay because i remember being having the reaction of every time i saw a video of I'm just, am I just not getting it? Am I like too old or this, these guys yeah. don't seem that funny and the, the ideas aren't that funny. I'm like how, and they're, they're like 20. I, and yeah. it's kind of like, I think it it's a generational thing because I, I, you can talk to someone who's 20 and think that they think that's the funniest thing they've ever seen before. Do they? Life. Because yeah. like Lonely yeah. Island, I feel like they're trying to be Lonely Island. Those guys were hilarious, but they got yeah. it on merit. Like they were really, they were really funny. And I feel like they're like a bad Lonely Island. Well, they, every few years they bring in these new digital guys. Now the last ones were like Beck Bennett and Kyle Mooney and they would make right. those videos. And I, those were, they weren't really that funny. I mean, they were just, it's that humor where it's like if you're weird, it's funny. Like weird, like oh, it's weird, so it's funny. But it's not ha ha funny. It's just like oh, it's different. Yeah, they're really they yeah. they, they seem especially not funny. And it, it when I saw that, I was like, and it, it, a lot of me was sort of thinking they just maybe they're funny, but it feels like they just weren't ready. Like they they just need, needed more time to be to develop their funniness or something. But yeah. It's interesting how, you know, you can pinpoint someone who's just like, wow, that this just isn't that good. Like, I it was kind of like, I just had a sense of something's off with the, I don't know what it is. I'm not getting it or it's just not that good. And then when I saw that, I was like, oh, well, they like were given a job right. on SNL right out of, but I don't know if they, they keep them around. And yeah, they, well, they they're seem popular. to think that they're Those funny. videos, look at the comments and the videos. People fucking love them. So weird. Yeah. So, um, I, um. But any, did, any other Nepo babies? Well, I have another clip. Uh, this is a great response to 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 that question. This is Allison Williams, movie that movie actress who's in Get Out, and she was also uh, in Girls. Girls. Yeah, which had a, like oh, they were all Nepo babies in that fucking show. Apparently. Yeah, they were. But um, I'm gonna play a clip. This is uh, someone asked her the question. This is the right answer. This is the answer you give. And this is my favorite Nepo baby. Best. But he says he's not a Nepo baby because he would be if he All was right. working in fashion. Mm. Oh, I see. Okay. I see it as just like, were you born on home base or like third base? And I right. feel like I was born on third base. Right. Mm. And um, I think what people get tripped up because they feel like people are coming for their skill. They're basically the subtext is you're not good. You don't deserve what you have. And the truth is there will always be people who feel that way about me. hundred percent. Like I, you know, I work really hard, whatever. But that doesn't mean that it's like. <laughs> 
fun. I'm not like an underdog. Like it's not fun to root for me. I like <laughs> came into this with a big, big head start, and I feel like it's totally okay to admit that. Like I feel yeah. really lucky, but I'm very privileged. For sure. I thought Tom. Yeah, had- I think that was yeah, a pretty there you good. Go. It is. At- it's very. She said, "I am self-aware." And- yeah, and it's true. Like that's actually a really good point because. You are, you know, given a huge leg up and advantage, but also it doesn't mean you're not talented. That's the thing. No. You can be, and you know, there are a lot of people who try to get into that business who are born into it, and they don't get anywhere. So, right. But then that must all, really hurt. Of course, you know. I mean, but because if you're like born on third base and you can't even get to home plate, it's like, well, I guess I'm just bad. Look, there was, there was like seventy Baldwins. Only two of them really made it. <laughs> Only one's you're, around you know, now. You're right, but the other ones, like they still had so many more shots than they should have. Like yeah. Stephen Baldwin was given like <laughs> way more opportunities than he deserved. Like. But it, but it also I'm glad that this stuff is finally being brought out because I think there a lot of people, especially racists, they are always th- saying that, oh, all the brown people are getting opportunities they don't deserve. And that, as you can see, has not been the case forever. The real unfair advantage is this or really I I would put anyone as an Apple baby whose parents are totally fucking rich. I mean, like oh, yeah, that, yeah, totally. Like yeah. that guy, Nick Kroll, very talented, Nick Kroll, very talented, yeah. but his father's a billionaire. And that, even if they don't have contacts in the business, you need opportunity, just so you don't have to worry about paying your rent and having a day job. It is and, a nice thing to just have, be able to be like, you know what? You, you should just go do whatever you want. Go be a clown on the street. Like, yeah. No pressure in it. You know, right. like, and I, I, I know some comics who like are big and, you know, they're in you know, the. They're very talented, but they, you know, when they started, they didn't have to worry about that. They would do 8,000 yeah. shows a night. And, you know, and I'm after two shows, I'm like, I got to go back to sleep. I got to go to work. Right. And you Nick Kroll is a good example because he is someone he was good. He had talent. Yeah. So he he had a lot of the advantages and opportunities, but he did have something to back. You know, this is a really funny thing I, I've talked about before where like. Michael Douglas has like six brothers, mm-hmm. you know, and they all were were actors you know and it's kind of like what do you what does michael douglas's brother say when people are like oh so you know why aren't you working why aren't you why haven't you done anything it's like well you know in this business it's all who you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like right you know everyone (laughs) so what's the problem well i'm just bad like you, you that's when you just know you're just probably not that good, you know. Like it's a hard business, regardless. But the main hump in the business is that first, you know. They, I feel like a lot of them act like, well, whatever, you gets you in the door, and it's like, but that you're undermining what a huge thing that is is to get right. into that door. It's like kind of being like, well, you know, uh, I, I can't think of an example, but um, you know, it's like. Yeah, I, I got to perform on the Grammys, but you know, like I had to be good too. You know, right. like, wow, but you were just kind of like on the biggest stage immediately. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really funny when they can't make it work. Like you have to, like Sofia Coppola was just like, you know what, this is a movie and you're related to me, but I just, I can't even cut around you being decent in the movie. Sofia yeah. Coppola, Godfather 3. I mean, that was like, a travesty of like 
like she got in the movie because of him and just was horrendous. Yeah, yeah. You, I know. You saw that, right? Oh, yeah. Godfather 3. Yeah. I'm practically ruined the movie. I mean, she was done after that. Yeah. But you know what? She kind of still did some stuff after that, which is insane. Yeah. And this is, I remember I saw an interview with Tori Spelling because she tried to like downplay it when she was on 90210. And she would, this was a narrative that she would kind of try to push forward mm-hmm. where she was like, yeah, you know, I actually auditioned for the show behind my father's back. <laughs> like, I, he didn't know I was auditioning. Yeah. Did it. And I'm like, really? I'm sure, yeah, the casting people just had no fucking clue who you were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, oh, hey, who are you? Oh, all right. Yeah, Tori Schmeling? Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, they didn't know who, who Tori Schmeling was. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, let's put her in it because she's so hot. Yeah, but I think this is a conversation that is an. I think this is an important conversation because I think it. Are you serious? Or are you being facetious? No, I, I'm being. Oh, okay. Serious right. because uh, and Megan McCain came out and she was like, she goes, "You think it's bad in entertainment?" She goes, "You should see it in the po- political world. It's ridiculous, you know." And she's like, and she knows. She goes, and I know that I, you know, look, I. She, she's speaking from pers- personal, you know, being, you know, yeah. and. Uh, but it's everywhere is what I'm trying to say. And uh, I think it's good to know that because all these people, especially like Republican types, are like, oh, you got to lift yourself up by the bootstraps. Right. You know, someone like Donald Trump saying that, like his father was a fucking gajillionaire and just handed him. He was born. Shit. He was he wasn't born on third base. He was born in the fucking owner's box after <laughs> he had hit a home. Someone had hit a home run for him and someone just brought him a trophy. World Series right um, <laughs> I mean yeah it's and then in, in showbiz too it's interesting because a lot of times if you go through if you go down someone who who is successful in showbiz if you really like dig into their past there's some connection somewhere right. it's not like they're the sun but they always have had some in and I think people like you know they downplay like what an opportunity is to first get in there. It's like, that's a, you know, that's it. So if you go in and you do decent, like you'll probably have a career, you know, it's like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like make a good analogy, but it's kind of like, I I don't know. It's like, it's, it's like the difference of like being born in like a really nice environment as opposed to being born in like a fucking hole in the middle of the Sudan or something where it's like, well, I mean, you just need to work hard. It's like, no, I live in a hole in the Sudan. I'm not I can't even get to the fucking place where you can live a normal good life. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I so this what what do you are you like texting with your um Yeah, no, I just don't know. Oh, okay. So yeah. I didn't know if you um this kind of you know a movie I I never watched, I just watched it was Midnight Cowboy. Have you yeah. seen that? Mm-hmm. I I just watched it like a week ago. I I'd heard of it. I knew it, but I I didn't really know what it was about. It's a really interesting movie because it's a very it was such a big deal when it came out too. It's a very anti-American dream movie. It's kind yeah. of the realism of what really happens to people who are like I'm going to go out and like make it and follow my dream because, you know, he he goes to New York. He's kind of like a very naive bright-eyed guy from the south and like everything goes to shit and he just can't he has nothing. He has no in anywhere. He has no connections. And he doesn't really know. And it. it's kind of like 
I feel like that's a more realistic experience in this country for most people, you know. Mm -hmm. But the American dream is sold to you as like, just work hard. You know, you got to work hard. It's like, no, that's kind of there's a lot more to it than just working hard. So that's what I have to say about that. (laughs) Those Nepo babies. No, but I I honestly think, though, uh, it's a good conversation to have. I think. I don't know. I think everyone who comes from money um, in whatever field has just a massive advantage. I don't know what your family. Did you come from a lot of money or now? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like I didn't think I did. But I think as I got older, I, I don't I don't No one ever really told me. But right. well, your I think dad we were was doing a, like my dad, dad was, was a lawyer. Lawyer. Yeah. But that I think we were doing OK. Like, yeah. Like because I remember I went to high school and it was like a public school and like kids would make comments that I was rich. But I think like, because I was at a public school, like comparatively I was, I seemed rich because these were kids from like, who just had like nothing. So, um, and I I don't know. I mean, I definitely wasn't a spoiled kid. Yeah. But at least you went to a public school. And sometimes when I look, sometimes now I'm all obsessed with this kind of stuff in a way i'll look at someone's wikipedia page right some actor or something like that and i kind of like to see where they came from and sometimes you can't tell if they came from money but if they went to a public school you know they're not most of the time like fucking super fucking rich um so when i see oh public school i i mean i i respect that more you know, I, I feel like yeah. some of these people, they, they go to the cushiest. I mean, your, your, your life is already decided. Like you can go to the fanciest high school in the world. You're already, you're already made it. You well, made the contacts. not necessarily, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I, my I'm not saying in, in like you. entertainment, but I'm saying like, if you're hanging yeah. out with all these other rich kids, it's like you have developed your friendships for life. So these people yeah. you'll know for years. And a lot of these people will hook you up later on in life. Yeah. Even if you're a complete fuck up, you know? I think. Well, hopefully, I guess it depends. But I, I, you know, my girlfriend went to um, Dalton, which is a really good Mm -hmm. school in the city. And actually, my mom worked there. And I was going to maybe, I had an interview to go there. But um, she, I've just noticed like she'll always make comments like, you know, we'll be walking and she'll be like, oh, yeah, that someone I went to school with, like they started that that brand, you know? And I'm like, oh, what is it? Oh, it's like the biggest clothing thing in the world now. And then like, Oh yeah, that guy went to my school. Oh yeah, and I'm like, wow, a lot of like huge success stories came out of your school. Um, and it's what's interesting is like now that I'm older, I do see the importance of like those kinds. Like that seems like a better situation to me. Like going to a really good school where like people will kind of branch out and do something big, maybe in business. Because I went to a school where like people were obsessed with like the arts and like becoming famous from right. like your talent, which is cool. I think that's a very young thing. Cause when you're young, you're all about, look at me and like, I'm this and that I'm cool. Mm-hmm. And like, and you know, even the people that I saw who did, and first of all, it's so much harder in showbiz to just kind of like make it really big. Cause right. it's, just, it's so like, again, even if you do have connect, it's so much of it is just lock random luck out of your control. So like, but a good school where like, you'll make good connections and like go into something, you know, you can be successful in like a lot of different fields is like a better path because mm-hmm. you have a much better chance of being successful in a field that you are able to work at and get successful. You know what I mean? Showbiz is like, ah, I didn't like, I didn't like him. Oh, you, right. will you blow me. No, you're not going to blow <laughs> me. All right, get out of here. You know what I mean? It's just like, and in comedy, I experienced so much. I remember like, 
I, I went out with this woman who was like a head at like a, a, a network and she was like kind of contacting me to like hang out and you know she was kind of getting me some auditions and stuff and i remember like she didn't really hit on me but she kind of acted like when i got there i was like oh this seems like she's into me right and then i didn't we didn't hook up or anything and um i know she stopped returning my messages and it was just like oh really okay like and her name was Sharvi weinstein right yeah exactly <laughs> i saw i just saw that movie by the way she said yeah, it's like, pretty I, funny. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really good. It kind of just yeah. gotten ignored, though. I know. I know. I don't understand why. I, I hate when they go. One of the things was like, yeah, you know, this is kind of old news now. I'm like, yeah, everything is old news. Because I, I don't like now where they, they like one of the crit critiques of Knives Out too, and it wasn't the greatest movie, but it was solid. I liked it till the end. But they're like, oh, it's all COVID material. I'm like, yeah, that's was a, a piece. Yeah, it's a, it's a time we lived in. It also wasn't yeah. that long ago. <laughs> I know. I don't understand why like, people. I know. Maybe people don't want to think about it anymore. I think that's the thing. It's the, the the fatigue of it all. I think maybe in a few years people will be able to talk yeah. about it again. You know, but we're still it's still going on. So it's right, know. right. But it's um. But one no, thing I, I just want to get to in the and this I'll be the last thing I said the college connections, especially if like you go to like Harvard, right? They, you yeah. know, they all hire like the writers. They all hire each other. Harvard Lampoon, that whole fucking yeah, thing. totally, yeah. Because I saw, remember once, uh, that guy B.J. Novak who went to Harvard. Uh, uh -huh. He was cast as a writer, uh, actor on The Office, and I read some article, and they're like, yeah, he was at a comedy club, and the um, uh, Greg Daniels, who was the creator of The Office, you know, saw him, and he's like, he did he did one joke, and I hired him immediately, like off his first <laughs> joke. Now I'm like, that, that, I'm like, how good story, was that joke? Yeah, but that's the thing. I guarantee like, it wasn't that good. <laughs> not only that, but like that story just seems like it has hold. Like, why were you at a comedy club, and why are you watching the guy from Harvard? Then you're from Harvard. Like, you don't think this was like set up already? Right. They're like, yeah. oh, this guy was worked for Harvard. Uh, he's at a comedy club. You should go watch him, and he probably had the job before he even fucking spoke. Right? So, I mean, he was a stand up for a little bit. Right. And he, um, I did um, a Comedy Central thing, and he was on it too. And like, um, he was like twenty three, and I remember people were like already like, "Oh yeah, that guy's like going to be on The Office." And I was like, what? "You know," and it wasn't on yet. I was like, yeah. "The Office, that that English show." And they're like, "No, they're doing it here." And I was like, "Oh, he's like, what is he doing?" They're like, "Oh, he's like a star and writer." And I'm like, and then they're like, "Well, he went to Harvard." And I was like, "Oh," and even like the show we were doing, he was like twenty three, and he just looked almost like. Yeah, like he he like not impressed with like <laughs> it was like nothing to him doing the show. This like, I am. um, and then he like did stand up for like another year. Just immediately was on this huge yeah. show. And um, you, you ever see like I was talking to someone about this. We'll wrap it up, but like these guys and they make it so young, but then they are interviewing them and like they'll go, yeah, man, it was tough, man. I think we've talked about this, like. I mean, I've been working at this for like three years, you know? Yeah. And I'm 22 now, and I finally made it, man. It was three years. Right. By the way. I had a rough summer. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, your age is from 19 to 22, right? Even if you don't, even if you're struggling, 
it's still the, those are the best fucking years, right? Right, right. <laughs> you're supposed to be struggling. The whole thing, a point right. of it is like, but it's just, also like you those have years no money are... and you're getting drunk, right? But yeah, and you're getting laid. And you it's look... not as fun when you're forty. <laughs> yeah, you look the best you did in your life. Your penis always works. It's you know. So right. what the hell? I mean, so, I know. I like, yeah, it's like um. I'm trying to think of someone who said, oh, I remember like Avril Lavigne, remember that singer? <laughs> she like won like an MTV music award when she was like in like 2003 and she was like, God, it's so great to finally be here. Like, you know, I've been working so long to get here. I'm like, aren't you 18? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, she was literally 18. Like, her whole persona was like a skate kid. I'm like, what do you mean? You just spare me. You've been working so fucking hard. What? Like, yeah. Um, and I think and those and a lot of those people are also in for a big fall when you make it really young. Um, and especially when you hear these stories about especially when they're pro athletes, they spend all their money like like there's a it was an ESPN documentary about these basketball players that just would they, or, no oh, I think all, they would, would go through all their money and they're like, yeah, because you gave a 19 year old a hundred million dollars. Right. Well, two things. He doesn't even know how to use money at that point. He's so young. And it's also if you're 19 and you're making $100 million, you're like, well, when I'm 30, I must be making $500 million. You, you think that yeah. when you're younger. You think totally, every yeah. year you're going to make more money. And uh, yeah. yeah, and then they have kids. I mean, I understand. I do get that. But a lot of times they're like a little older. And I think by the time I was 22, I would have been like, oh, you know what? I should keep some of this hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I think I would have been I know you're dumb and everything, but it's like, I think I would have just been like, yeah, I'll probably spend like a million this year. Yeah. You know, and then I mean, like just never. I mean, I don't I, I feel like that's Brewster's million. I wouldn't that's even know what, how to spend a hundred million. I was dollars. just thinking that. Were you really? Yeah. Yeah, because it's like it would be really hard. I mean, you. I mean, it would be, and that movie is a good. I think because he can't get out of not making money. They just keep yeah. giving him money, right? And the stuff he buys turns into investments, and they gain money. That's why it's, when you have that money, it's so much easier to turn a million into a billion than a zero into a million. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. So oh, totally, of course. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like. Um, but it's kind of what we were saying before that that's a good analogy for what entertainment is with nepotism. It's like, yeah, you know, I start someone gave me a million dollars to invest in. Yeah, you know, whatever. Like I work hard. It's like as, as compared to zero trying right. to get to a million, <laughs> which is like literally the system is set up. So it's impossible. Well, do you remember Mitt Romney? He was so tone deaf. Uh he was like, pull your bootstraps up. But his parents were rich, you know. His father was like a governor or something. And he was like, you know, you know, I started my career. My I just took out a million dollar loan from my dad and I I built myself a business. And everyone was like, Do you right. think that's like a normal thing? Like that you could just ask your dad <laughs> for just a million dollars. Million dollar investors. Yeah. And was it really a loan, by the way? What is he gonna fucking shake you down like the mob? Like, hey, yeah. you pay me, son. I'm gonna break your legs. It's a gift. Right. You know, no, maybe, it's, maybe it's, for the for the IRS, it's a loan, whatever you want to do it. But that's, that's why I think it's so annoying when they always say Kylie Jenner is this like self-made billionaire. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, I feel like she had a little bit of a head start, yeah. but I could be wrong. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a weird you're right that I feel like that is underplayed, especially in entertainment and showbiz is it's so no one really talks about that, but right. um, and I think the money aspect too, because like I've had jobs in my life where I hated, but I'm like I I need this job to survive, 
And I know yeah. this, uh, this is not helping me with my long life goals, but I have to do this job. If you're a rich person, you'd be like, nah, I'm just, you know, or your parents are rich. Like, fuck it. No, well, and I, I will say like, you know, and it does like, so you mentioned Nick Kroll. And one thing I will say about Nick Kroll is like when I kind of, when he was around and I knew him, you know, he had a very easygoing, like, like carefree attitude that yeah. was like, and that was like uh, appealing and like he had a good energy. And I, th and I think he even like said this was cause, and it was, was because he didn't really, he wasn't like reliant on showbiz or anything. Mm -hmm. And I think they could, and he was good, but I think he, he, it, when you're in that situation, you're so relaxed already that it's yeah. easier to be good. And so he wasn't ever like back up against the wall, but I think that, uh, that contributes to someone's like, Especially in this in entertainment, like your energy that you're not aware of, I think is a huge factor. You know, because it's it's always that thing. You always hear the story when someone's like, "Oh, I was trying for years, and I finally gave up and didn't give a shit." And everyone was like, "You're the greatest!" Like it's a weird shift in energy. And I think someone like Nick Kroll had that energy from the start of like, yeah, because you didn't don't have really to worry care. about. You don't have to worry. I mean, like you, you know, if you're like a poor guy auditioning for saturday night live and you know shit's not going well for you, you show you know? up with like holes in your pants yeah and you're like i got i gotta get this but you know they want the energy of like i don't i don't really care if i get yeah it. You hire know, me that's... don't hire me i don't care exactly yeah. so and, and you know that that attitude is a lot harder to master than people think and i think whenever i knew him he had that from like day one he was just yeah. the guy who was like hey what's up man oh cool i'm doing this oh great oh well you know and i remember he even made a comment he like got some huge commercial thing and he was like God, I mean, they're giving me so much money. I don't even really need it. Like, I know you made that comment. <laughs> oh. I was like, but again, it was like he said course, that out loud to the, human beings. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, um, that's but horrible. like, um, but like, um, I think it's the energy of like when you don't need the thing, the universe seems to pile it on your face. Yeah. You know. Um. So I don't know why I'm using him. He just seems like the quintessential no. example. I was saying before where he is. He's had he's had a prolonged you know he's had longevity because he he can back it up you know what right. I mean. And he's Whereas Michael Douglas, his brothers, <laughs> did, couldn't really do anything. Yeah. So and, no uh, matter Ze what. and Zeppo Baldwin, I think uh, <laughs> yeah. he hasn't done, done too well. <laughs> yeah. um, but like we were saying, Stephen Baldwin, they they gave him about fifty movies before it was like, all right, I guess it's not working. <laughs> you know, it's like that's not normal. Yeah, and he was in the movie with Paulie Shore, who was kind of a nepo baby because his mom. Oh, he was a total comedy yeah. nepo baby. Totally. Yeah. The only thing that helped that helped him is, I guess, he knew early on that you had to have a, a like a a persona that they could exploit because he did say what you will about him. He came with a fucking yeah distinct persona. You know what I mean? Like that guy, that was totally what kids were gonna connect. But he must have known that early on. He must yeah. made his mom. Must have been like you have to be like some weirdo or something. Yeah. Play up your stonerness. Mm -hmm. um, but and he's another one. They they gave him about eight movies before it was like, all right, I guess he's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think his movies made money. I think that yeah, that's they, all it comes down to. They were all like low budget movies that made money. I, I some of them weren't that bad. I like the one where he isn't the one where he wants to stay on the jury because he's getting like five dollars a day or something like that. Yeah, Dur was, jury, that, um, was that I, uh, I was that. I was going to say Schindler's List. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, that that was a great that was a great movie, Jury Duty. <laughs> I think that once they stopped making money, they stopped yeah. giving him parts. Um, and once it was Polly Shore, I mean that that right there. Just if you say to anyone right now, there was a time where Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin were starring in huge movies. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you talking about? How the fuck did that happen? Um, all right. All right. So the m- message of this podcast is we hate everybody. <laughs> Would that be the message? Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, that's that's my message most of the time. No, no, I'm not. It's not even a thing. I'm mad at anyone. It's just, but you know, it's like Allison Williams. At least, like, own up to it. Like, you know. Yeah, and you know where the I think the term "nepo baby" was coined. I think it was last year, the year before. I was reading about it was in reference to Maud Apatow. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She definitely. Has... I think. Yeah, I think hers was so blatant. Because she was literally in the movies he made, right. and she was in the movie with her mom and her fucking and her father. Sister. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, I mean, it's fine yeah. you want to do that, but it's like, oof. it's a little. Ugh. And people are like, "Oh, she's good." I'm like, "Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I would be good too if I was just with my family and there was a camera <laughs> yeah, she, in front of me." She, she's good at playing her mother's <laughs> daughter, <laughs> right? Like, I don't. And she's a she's an example of someone who's like she's just barely good enough to get on without. She would like she's an example. She would not have gotten anywhere without those connections. You know what I mean? That's what you have to like break it down to. If you look at this person, you're like, if they didn't have any of this, where would they be? (laughs) In a movie with Pauly Shore and Stephen Baldwin. (laughs) I wish I would kill for that. Are you kidding me? (laughs) All right, we should wrap Um, it up. Okay, cool. Let's wrap it up. All right. Well, next time next episode we'll shit on um people who um You know, honestly, I could do like ten episodes of Nepo Baby. Stuff. I we, we should do a um like series on it or something. All right, I think that's our next move. We'll get a Nepo Baby on. Oh, we could get one. We Nepo should have baby. Molly on. Yeah. Oh, she's she's talked about it a little bit. I we should talk about specifically that she right. would have a lot of really good stories about that because she knew all her friends were Nepo babies, and she also like seemed to be someone that almost was uncomfortable with that kind mm-hmm. of leg up you know what i mean i've talked to her and she seems like ah eh, like <laughs> i don't like that you know I, I don't want to ask for things and you know and i was like oh you should tell people you know when you do comedy who you're related to she's like i'm not going to do that yeah <laughs> and i was like i would i'm telling people that now about me <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's so funny but, about that term nepo baby but one last thing is like when i first saw it i saw it on the, you know, on the screen i was reading it so I'm like, is this either Nepo baby or Nepo baby? I, I guess it's Nepo because it's nepotism, but yeah. you don't want to like, I know people are starting to talk about it. So I don't want to be like, oh, Nepo. And people like look at me like I'm a fucking loser. So, right. Like, like that group in excess. I remember a lot of, you could tell who was an idiot when they'd be like, do you like that band, the inks? And I was like, <laughs> inks, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not. I'm not even sure what if it's GIF or GIF. So, but apparently, yeah, that, there's well, discussion on that one. We'll solve it next week. All right. Okay, everyone. Thanks for thanks for tuning in, and uh, please rate and review. Please join our Patreon. Uh, we'll see you next time. Boom.